How's it going, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Living Legends Podcast, a semi-weekly Flesh and Blood podcast where we talk about all aspects of the Flesh and Blood trading card game. Today, I am joined, as usual, by Az from Go Again Gaming and Bill from the Spike Feeders. But today, we have an extra special episode because we have our very first guest. Before we introduce the guest, Az and Bill, would you like to introduce yourselves? And I'll choose Az this time because I know I know if I leave Aww. it open, it'll be awkward. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, so I'm Az from Go Again Gaming across the pond from these guys. And uh, yeah, um, just can't wait to go into this episode because it's all about content creation and you know tips and tricks for all of us no matter what levels we are what we're doing it's gonna um, be so a good yeah, one can't wait to go into it. yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah it should be uh should be good how about yeah, you bill and i am uh bill from the spike feeders uh i uh the thing that we like to do on our channel is showcase uh in-person gameplay and uh do semi-excellent uh reveals for cards <laughs> for the flesh Se and blood tcg humble the um, humble semi-excellent <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too hard. Last time I broke my arm, so. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff today with our extremely uh, revered and special guest. Yeah, and our guest today is uh, Chris Bewley from Legend Story Studios. Chris is the, I believe your title is, is it content manager? Um, but yeah, welcome, Chris. Somewhere in between... Somewhere in between content manager, content god, emperor, overlord, and um, <laughs> yeah. dude that fills in the gaps. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, so, man. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Az. And thank you, Cal. Morena, kia ora from New Zealand. And um, hello. Nice to meet you, everybody. And Absolutely. thanks for tuning in, all the fans out there. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, before we get started, we, we do have like a uh, large Q&A section that we kind of solicited from the community as well as from our, ourselves. Um, but let's like introduce who Chris is, kind of like where you come from. I know some of you listening out there might recognize Chris from um, a pretty like old school flesh and blood uh, YouTube series. Was it called like Seven Days? Um, of Flesh and Blood and yeah. you did, like interviews and stuff. I remember watching that when I first started getting into uh, Flesh and Blood. I think you were the first interview with James White that I saw, I, I, I think. Can, can confirm. It was the uh, world exclusive of the interview with CEO and founder James White of uh, Legend Story Studios back in the day. Yeah, so I had the seven days of Flesh and Blood with Chris Buley, um YouTube channel. How many? That's probably cracked out about i don't know 10 or 15 videos most of them were interviews yeah one-on-one -on -one sort of interviews went for seven questions every seven days with some key figures of the community and um yeah episode one was audio only with matt rogers that was an awesome way to start things off and yeah we got a world first james white um interview and that was probably my content creation highlight today so yeah that's where i started off with my fab content journey and i i know because <laughs> you showed me you had uh, some some previous content much much uh long ago i would say mm. oh man yeah far out um so you know i was like oh awesome thank you so much for inviting me on living legends so i thought i should just give myself a little bit of a refresher Make sure I'm up to date with what um, all three of you and the channels that you're working with have been up to. 
and I can't remember, but I fell down a yeah a rabbit hole of a channel that I had <laughs> nine years ago, and it was yeah. called Desperate Ravings, um, based off a fantastic card which I used to play a lot of back in the day. But yeah, there was a Desperate Ravings channel, and they had about. I forgot that it existed. I went back, had a look, and, you know, you see yourself nine years prior, and you're like, I knew I was young, but wow. Yeah. I look pretty haggard these days. <laughs> so, yeah, it was found a treasure trove of, um, yeah, there was a little, there's a few appearances from Matt Rogers in these nine-year-old videos, so that really brought me back a few laughs and almost tickled the... Um, started to titillate the juices of my inspiration gland of potential possible upcoming content in future but that's just an idea so yeah a couple channels of myself back in the day but it's been a while myself since i've created something yeah man it, it all it only starts with an idea and then then, then you just start going and some, yeah, sometimes yeah. you don't stop um <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing yeah that content creation bug yeah yeah i mean personally yeah, once I, I just you once you catch it you can't stop exactly well and that's a good thing too because uh at least youtube very much rewards people who don't stop so uh if you get if you get the bug and you don't stop um eh, you're, you're you've already started off pretty well but maybe we're yeah. getting a little ahead of ourselves with that here <laughs> um yeah um arts of content creation not stopping slash aka regular frequent posts yeah <laughs> yeah but it's very important in my opinion um it's uh, one of the key to successes at least on youtube um but I, that's true for almost all areas of content if you want to consider stuff like uh twitter or even like um twitch or anything like that uh frequent uploads is uh is important absolutely people often you know whether they're explicitly told something or not um if, you know if if humans slash people see the same patterns or trends over and over, they start to expect it. So if you keep dropping a video at 7 p.m. PST, but you don't promise that you're going to keep doing it, people, of course, will expect it. So it's such a massive part of successful yeah. content creation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get started with our Q&A, uh, I, I figured I should ask, this is a, I guess this is a question, but... Um, how did you get started with uh, Legend Story Studios? How did, like, uh, what's your origin story uh, with your involvement with LSS? It's a, it'd be a two-year story or some type of 22-year story. Ooh. I guess it goes all the way back to the womb. No, nah, not that far. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've been a, what am I? I just turned 36. So I think I've been playing card games for about 20 years. Yeah. And it all started with um, Rest in Peace... Mr. Takahashi's Yu-Gi-Oh! creation. So oh, I'd, yes. I'd, I'd yeah. watch it. You know, you, you run home from high school. You know Yu-Gi-Oh!'s... You know, you're conditioned to know that the content that you want to consume, the TV show, you know what's on at 4 p.m. every day. So I was running home from school to watch uh, Yugi Moto cheat and lie through his teeth <laughs> to win these amazing, exciting <laughs> games. Hey. But anyway, yeah, I was watching Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> hey, if you can hey, attack uh, the moon... Sorry, hello? If you're going to attack the moon, go for it. Attack the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's a, lo a looming threat. But I was, I was hooked <laughs> on Yu-Gi-Oh! And then I was like, oh, okay, I'll go down to the shop, start playing. So I started playing all these games. Um, much of my CV to get involved with my current job was the 20 years before, which could be summed up of being heavily immersed and involved 
entrenched, active, and proactive in the card game community. Um, so in those 20 years, I was I was playing lots of games, and one of my favorite, my second favorite trading card game of all time, it's called Mar- uh, Versus System, and it was Ooh. Marvel and DC, and a little bit of Hellboy came in sort of late. And that was an awesome upper deck game. And so down in my hometown of Invercargill, New Zealand, which is at the bottom of New Zealand, um, Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones famously called it the asshole of the world. So it's, <laughs> there's not much going on in Invercargill. Anyway, so I got hooked on Yu-Gi-Oh! and then Marvel Versus System because I'm, I'm a Marvel fiend. And got into these games, but there was not a lot of action happening in my hometown. So I would travel on a bus eight hours to go to pre-releases and just the most basic, almost armory-type level events to play with uh, my favorite superheroes. And James White was running these events in a city, Christchurch, uh, eight hours away on the bus. So I was about, I don't know, between 17 and 20 years old traveling these things because I was just absolutely obsessed and passionate of you know playing games with people in the flesh and blood but it was versus system so i was playing these games got to know james and he was like what what so you're telling me that you travel eight hours on the bus (laughs) consistently regularly (laughs) to different events just because you like this game i'm like yeah is that weird (laughs) so i guess he um we became friends, you know, seeing each other at lots of events. And James was running um, lots of events for lots of different games around the country at the time, um, being a sort of independent tournament organizer. James had been creating communities um, and card games for well over 20 years in New Zealand. So I got to know him around that sort of thing. And we played a lot of magic tournaments and things together. He is a very successful magic player. And I would see him around. You know, you just see people around the scene. Um, start making friends with people and was fortunate enough to become friends with James through the years through different games and things I did little little bits of um, sort of Yu-Gi-Oh tournament organizing and in, in that city Christchurch in New Zealand I had a very brief stint of that one and we have like these little can well, not little little for US standards large for New Zealand standards but it's kind of like comic con type things oh yeah Armageddon is the big one that we have here and um, you know James would be involved in that he's had a few different sort of uh, businesses or products launches or promotions over the years so sometimes I would go with James to the Armageddon Expo and just sort of work with him on maybe a, a product or a promotion that he was sort of doing there so yeah just got to work with James um, in a few minor bits and pieces over the years but he yeah we've been friends for probably a good 20 years wow time flies yeah but um you know and we'd sort of touch base every now and then my last six years or so i was an academic english teacher so i'd play games say hi every now and then and he had you know he's had always had lots of businesses and ideas going on in the background so every now i check in and he's oh i'm working on this game yeah, chipping away, making a new game. So that was cool. And the last about two years ago, I went to China with my English teaching. So I was over there. And for this current job at Legend Story Studios, oh, let's skip back just another two years. Um, just before I went to China for teaching, uh, 2019, Flesh and Blood came out in New Zealand. I was like, wow, James, that's awesome. The game's out. That's great. How can I get involved? How can I get involved? And just sort of said... Um, hey, play the game, be the best ambassador you can be, and 
maybe if something comes up one day, we'll um, we'll see how we go. And yeah, I was in China about a year and a half ago now, almost two years, and uh, I was having an extraordinarily challenging time, to put it lightly, at that point in China, and it was like a gift from the gods. James just hit me up on Facebook and said, how's it going? I said, oh, pretty good, you know, <laughs> got all these challenges and difficulties. I was very much um, fearing for my life at that point. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, just really getting to know myself and overcoming these challenges <laughs> and being the best. And then he's like, oh, there's a, there's a job here if you're interested as an account manager. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, but, you know, I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to just become a better person. And then two days later, um, I was very, very much in need of a uh, an angel and some type of angelic intervention. And then I said, um, oh, hey, James, was that an interview or is that an offer? And he said, yeah, it's a real job. So I said, okay, I'm getting on the plane tomorrow. So oh, wow. I, um, in one of the most terrifying and scary three days of my life, I took three connecting flights out of China and came back to New Zealand and have been working with Legend Story Studios ever since. Nice. There we go. Hopefully that wasn't the full hour. So there you go. No. <laughs> it was just like a 15 minutes. No, no worries. No worries. Um, no, that, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, that's a crazy origin story. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the very, very short version. But, um, you know, it's a combination of um, just throwing yourself all into the passions that you have. You know, all my life, I've, for whatever reason, been the type of person. I'm either all in or nothing at all. Very oh, yeah. much like um, Rest yeah. in Peace, Stubby's Fire Rising Rebellion. But, yeah, so I guess, <laughs> you know, I just, just threw myself head first into card games all my life. And, just sort of found ways to create stuff. I'm a naturally, I would say, a bit of a creative person. So whether I was making little videos um, on my Nokia 6120 in 1999 <laughs> or just <laughs> getting involved in things, I guess, you know, here's a bit of a life principle. People, people see the things that we do. So I suppose, you know, hanging out with someone off and on for 20 years, James would have kept a wee eye and like, oh, yeah, that's how this guy operates. So a combination of, yeah, being very lucky, being very unlucky with the, the, the situation that I was in about a year and a half ago overseas and just going hard at what you love and then things sometimes, often, pop up, opportunities and things. Yeah, very, very fortunate yeah. and grateful for the position that I'm in. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I can relate to that a lot. I, am a, I like to describe myself as a, I'm not a casual person. If I'm into something, I'm all in. Like I'm, yeah. I, I go all in on it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can relate. Um, yeah, I man. think that's a good way to be. You know, everything, you know, different contexts, different situations. But I think if you are doing something, um, the best way to get the best result out of it is to go hard. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Um, all right, man. That that was sweet. Let's let's start off with uh, the the compiled list of questions. This is in uh, no particular order, though it does start off with uh, my own question. Um, cool. It is, and I will say, uh, I will say, uh, shout out to the community members who you know the questions uh, come from. Um, yeah. So my question is, how important is it for Legend Story Studios to get a wide diversity of creators outside of video producers? Yeah, that's such an important and awesome question. Um, and yeah, and one of the, you know, one of the actually before. Um, you guys invited me to come and join you for Living Legends 
I had in my mind um, basically a lot of the questions that you're that we're about to go over today. I wanted to sort of address the content creator base um, of all of the creators, and of, you know, we get a lot of questions, a lot of like clarification sort of stuff. So this is perfect. So um, yeah, let's get mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. No, I just want to clarify. Um, outside of video producers could you tell me a little bit more about the video producer definition part i will clarify it as specifically youtubers in regards to this question so let, let's just yeah say uh, specifically youtubers in this this regard yeah oh cool now i get it yeah so um a, a wide diversity of creators outside of video producers so not just and only the YouTube video type of things. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely important. And here we are on a non-video podcast. And, um, you know, with LSS and the content creators, the program is not this type of um, once you're in, we'll put your name on this thing and you're always going to receive something. It is this sort of database pool of submissions from content creators um, and we don't sort of have a black and white list of yep these are our content creators or anything like that so as far as um, I should probably be a bit more concise shouldn't I but the thing about this is um, as far as something like preview season goes let's apply this a little bit let's say it's a preview season how important do we want um, not only these YouTube video type of things, it's massively important um, because there are so many sort of applications, uses and purposes for the different types of content that is out there. Um, as we sort of started to have a little chat earlier before the recording, you can be you can be doing, um, I'm going to steal, I think it was what As was saying before actually, but you can apply something like an audio only podcast to your quote, day-to-day mundane sort of tasks, quote. Yeah. And, wait, you put you said it better yourself. Was it as it said this? You developed almost this type of platonic intimacy with the person speaking on the audio podcast. Was it something like that? Yeah, I think I think we all I think we all chipped in. I think um, I, I think I said that you know with a, with a podcast, if you're going you doing your day-to-day -day life, like for me for instance, I cycle to work each day, mm. and uh, I listen to podcasts in my ear. So that that person or that podcast or that creator is ingrained in that sort of day-to-day day-to-day commute almost and it's the same with people driving their cars or on the subway or whatever you might be doing out there it is it is an intimate space and it can only really be explored by audio because you can't watch a video while you're riding your bike you could but it'll be a very bad idea um, yeah so challenging yeah so that's yeah and i think um you know a lot of Maybe this is something I'll talk about a little bit more at some point later on, but there's a few different categories of content out there, of course. There are this video-produced type of YouTube entertainment-y something-to-watch thing. There's the, the audio podcasts. I see very much there's this... Don't quote me on this, anybody out there. Um, almost, you know, we see a lot of games being covered. Maybe it's um, gameplay videos for the sake of just playing a game, education and showcasing. Maybe they're saying, oh, yeah, here's a new deck or a strategy. Or maybe they're saying something like, this is how you play this hero into another hero. Um, 
that's a really cool type of content. Then you have something very, very similar. Maybe there's a store and they are simply streaming or recording some armory games. That's a very similar type of content, but it's also a little bit different at the same time. So I see these as almost different things. Um, a little bit of video coverage of an armory, or here's another piece um, showcasing some games, possibly with a slight deck tech. Another piece, another piece. These are, of course, produced videos, a lot of these types, but um, I think there are very many different and very subtle, to, uh, subtly different types of content, and they all have many different purposes. I think it's very important for us to have the um, the diversity of different types of content, basically because there's just so many purposes, which I won't go through now. Everyone has a different um, way to apply content in their life, and I get surprised all the time. People have these, you know, interesting or new ways of the way that they consume the content. Um, watch parties, or maybe people just put on some box breaking videos in the background yeah you know that's another really calming exciting thing a lot of people like to just sit back after work have a lovely cup of english breakfast and um watch watch some box breaks but yeah the short long answer to that one is it's extremely important for us to not only have a wide diversity of um the creators themselves and we can go into that later but also yeah we want many different types of um content out there for people to consume because it makes life more interesting yeah i mean yeah for sure um all right yeah next question uh this is coming from as and as has a, a good number of questions here um nice the first one is uh what is the best advice you can give anyone when they're just starting their content creation journey i think this is something we talked about before we hit the record button but, um, I think I think as well, it also sort of filters into what we was just saying there as well. Like, you know, the the content, you know, that's out there is very is very diverse, as you were saying, Chris. So, you know, is is it you know, if you're starting out as a, as a content creator, is it best to focus on one aspect or is it better to maybe, you know, do, you know, do a bit of everything? What, you know, I think it ties into the, the, the last the last sort of um chat we were having there but yeah that's that's definitely yeah definitely a question I, I think would be important to a lot of people out there listening to this at the moment yeah this is one of like the best ones and like i was saying i was thinking oh i'd love to give a little bit of sort of clarification out there for anyone that's looking to get into the content game um yeah this is an awesome one i wrote a few sort of notes on this but I think, you know, one of the biggest words that has been on my mind thinking about this conversation, this uh, Living Legends today is niche. Um, the niche, the particular cornered part of the content creation world, picking something specific, picking something that makes you stand out, something that makes you sort of unique. Because as we know, and I saw a, um, what was a brilliant post on Facebook the other day from our friend Yazi in Australia, um, the year is 2026. <laughs> Every single Flesh and Blood player has a channel. And we're getting there, you know, we're getting there. There's so, there's a lot of Flesh and Blood content out there, and it's awesome. I think the way for um, up and coming or future or even current content creators, the way to stand out, the way to succeed, the way to get those likes, clicks, and subscribes, pick a niche. Um, maybe you are the person who talks about azalea ace in the hole 
a lot. And, <laughs> yeah, that's a great niche. And I think, um, you know, we've seen from Ethan Van Sant on the Man Sant channel, picking a niche, um, and of course, in his case, Leviah is that niche. Yeah. Once somebody sort of specializes in something, um, you know, not to speak too redundantly, but it's, it's really good. Once somebody really starts to focus on one thing, they learn more, they know more, they discover more. Um, they really create incredible stuff about it. And you sometimes hear like these little analogies of if you do five things at 10% power, you're just doing like, you know, five very average things. But if you do one thing at 100% power, you've got this incredibly strong vehicle. And I sort of see that um, if you do, if you have a channel and you're doing five different things and you're not putting all of the energy into all of those things, yeah, you're going to get a little bit return from each of them. But if you just go hard in a niche or a particular area, maybe you are the deck tech person and then you're known for deck techs and people expect deck techs and people are, you know, it just builds and it grows. You get momentum, you get lots of awesome things from picking a niche. I think that is probably the first and almost most significant that's the one that comes to my mind the most because once you get your niche then you can really um build everything else around that when i was going for the old seven days of flesh and blood back in the day i was trying to do some type of you know those like u.s sort of late night comedy but um weekly news shows like trevor noah sort of oh, stuff yeah yeah I was going for something like that with some funny attempt at being funny interviews, sometimes a little bit of current event. So that was my sort of vibe. So I guess I was going for the interview niche. You've got people that focus on a hero only niche and they could do interviews, deck text gameplay inside of that niche. So you yeah. can build a niche very well, but like almost like a lot of things in life, if you really pick, one thing to focus on and build around that I think that's the, the biggest and first piece of advice that I would give mm -hmm. was there more on that question hmm um, it's it just this... uh, advice on st people starting their content creation journey well yeah if, uh, if you'd allow me I've got a little bit more on that one um, so yeah okay. pick a nation we want to you know you want to be uploading things that are yeah, let's just keep in mind, there's just so many creators out there. If you search flesh and, flesh and Blood Box Break, you'll get a lot of different ones returned. Yeah. So let's get to the next sort of point on that one. Um, when you're writing your descriptions for stuff, like a, a description on YouTube, you know, that box with the characters in it, or the title. And um, the title is ridiculously important. The title is what the uh, algorithms and the search engines are going to pick up on though you're going to want um short sharp concise um intriguing titles so another yeah, thing with this, the title this is this is the part that i i don't get and probably a lot of people don't get either is like youtube algorithms and what you should or should not be doing with that because that's mm. that, that's something that a lot of us don't know about so if mm. there is extra extra bits that you can throw in as to how we can you know get found easier maybe that would be a good thing to touch on as well you probably probably just about to touch on it but i just thought i'd say oh, no, yeah that's a good one yeah so like having a nice um title is very important 
And keep in mind, um, yeah, I don't, you know, we don't completely understand the sort of YouTube search or, you know, even for myself, I do a lot of SEO or Google search engine optimization, little bits and pieces, but I don't completely understand it. I do understand that more specific, but simple at the same time, your title is, the easier it will be able to be searched. And when there's 12,000 um, box breaks out there at the same time, if you search flesh and blood uprising box break, that's not enough. You want to be specific. You also want, I believe, um, sort of a consistent formatting of your titles and episodes, things like that. Very, very tiny, subtle things like capital letters um, or the lack of um, exclamation point. Very, very small things will impact the viewer a lot um if you if you return some results of a few different deck tags, um often people will click on the one with the most views if they don't know much about the videos but i believe above that people will click on ones with a eye-catching thumbnail so it's the things like first impressions um if people are waiting research results if we're thinking of a user who's looking to find out content that we are producing they're going to jump on the things that visually stand out titles that stand out and i think it's very very important that a content creator is able to be searched and identified quite easily because then people will see you people will see your content but the really really big ones are post regularly and at a regular consistent time if yeah. you can then your viewers know that it's coming um, they can get excited for it they can rely and depend on it um, thumbnails take 10 seconds to take a screenshot and put a cool little background or a nice font on top of that take the 10 seconds make a thumbnail when 98 percent of people are not making thumbnails if you make a cool thumbnail people will see it um all part of the fun as well, so, making those little thumbnails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some uh, some pretty good thumbnail creators out there, and yeah, that's part of the fun. Nothing you can't go wrong with a uh, you know you chop out someone, you chop out the player's face, stick it on a card art, have a stupid title. You know you, that's basically yeah. that'll pretty much get you a preview card these days. <laughs> pretty much. Well, pretty much. that actually leads Nothing into the that. actually leads into the next question that. Yeah. Uh, as asks, uh, when considering creators for preview cards, are there any specific metrics you go by? Um, is there anything in particular that aspiring previewers should aim for? And then ask puts in quotes, hint, hint, what do I need to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is really probably cool. one of the most popular questions yeah, that I get, um, particularly through the inbox of my emails um if anyone's ever interested in anything about content creation you can hit me up at creators with an s creators at fabtcg.com so i get a lot of these ones in so when considering preview cards are there any specific metrics no which no. can be quite difficult for people to mm, digest a little bit sometimes yeah. so we we don't have a if you have 1000 subscribers and you have 500 active views on each video you're in we don't have anything like that um that's and encouraging you know, for when, a lot of people though i think like i think that's encouraging. encouraging or discouraging 
encouraging. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've got a few reasons why we don't have a fixed black and white objective, boring rubric. Because um, anything can happen out there, you know? So, yeah. um, of course, you know, we do look for people who have a large influence because we want a lot of eyes on particularly preview card products, you know? We do look for a big a big subscriber of Ucount, often, not always. Um, we do look for, again, those unique sort of niches. But let's go back to you. Yeah, the preview stuff in particular is we usually, well, we build the preview season around a theme or an idea or a presentation. And in itself, and I tell you, I saw um, the Dynasty preview season run sheet for the first time this morning, just before I talked to y'all. So I can tell you, this upcoming Dynasty preview season is by far and away the most exciting, like flavor and lore-wise, I'm seeing story coming to the fans through this upcoming preview season. So this preview season for Dynasty is so mm, thematically and story-wise flavorful we have chose, you know, so to tell the story that we want to tell with this preview season, we have chosen some particular cards and to tell the story for the preview season, um, very much centered around the emperor. Ooh. To tell this story, we are choosing particular cards from the set to tell the story. Once we choose the cards that bring the story to life, then we look for some probably very already well-established content creators and or figures in the community um, to tell this the best way. So perhaps there's um, perhaps there's a Azalea-based um, channel out there um, and we have some type of amazing card that Azalea fans might like. We will yeah. look for that content creator or that channel and we'll assign that card to them um yeah we, we so don't have any azalea game. fans in the chat right now yeah, yeah no, no, no no one likes azalea no, here nobody does <laughs> there's, there's yeah, no there's no cult yeah. following or anything there's nothing don't worry <laughs> oh, that's a shame because as um we've got some extremely exciting oh is that right we, we had something really 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 exciting in mind for um, the cult of Azalea this upcoming preview oh, season. do this to me. Are you sure that you're not a fan of Azalea? Are you sure? Oh, oh, oh no, we just screwed Az out of his first preview card. No. Oh, oh, no. Well, sure we can do that. There's any time to swear, it's now. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, part of your question was, what do I need to do? Well, as your first preview card is coming. So thank you for doing all of these incredible things that you've done. Um, which are post consistently, post regularly, have yeah. interesting, useful, educational content. Um, not just the same content as many others without the thumbnails, without the interesting stuff. So, your first um, preview card is coming very soon, as and it is going to blow the roof. Oh man! Off the oh. If, 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 if you could see me now, I'm yeah, I'm literally a bit of a bit of a wreck to be honest. 
Dude, yeah, that's I'm awesome. sure you're looking very good. Oh, cheers, mate. I'd literally just, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. We did it. Hey, you, <laughs> we man. did it, boys. Yeah, that question's so good because it's... Um, I want to touch more on it because it says, um, what could or what should aspiring previewers aim for? The answer for that, my friends, is they should not aim for a preview card. Yeah. What does that mean? That means um, the idea, you know, some people, I, like I said, I get a lot of um, emails, particularly about preview cards, uh, particularly around previous season time. Oh, here's a news flash for everybody. Um, the previous season it has basically almost been confirmed with the partners. I haven't reached out to anybody yet. So um, I love receiving everybody's emails, requesting preview cards. But just so everyone knows, most of the partners have been sort of assigned at the moment. But let's go a little, just a little bit more before it's um, going into the third hour of this podcast. Um, <laughs> What should they aim for if they want a preview card? Very kindly, they shouldn't. The idea with the preview cards is, of course, um, very selfishly, we want to tell the story of our next upcoming product. And it just so happens to be that there are creators out there who are um, excited, passionate, and often quite happy to help us tell that story. So I see um, the previous season and the creators who do share those cards. I see that as um, an, a really nice possible opportunity that might come up rather than a goal to aspire to. Because it's not, there's no, like we said, there's no, there's no rubric. It's not when you get 10,000 subscribers, you will get the thing. Um, yeah. So it's something, you know, the idea, the, the vision with all of this content creation stuff is you're passionate about creating content because you love it, not because you're looking for a, um, a reward or something. And exactly. those and who are well. doing it for the... Eh? Sorry, I was just going to say, it goes back as well to literally the last point we were speaking about, about the niche and about finding what you want to do in your space. You know, and when the opportunity comes around to you, if you guys notice that... For, for whatever reason I'm referencing myself here, if I'm focusing on Azalea and what she can do, when there's a good card that, you know, fits into that, you know, we're, we're in the right place for it. And it, I think I think it is a good, you know, a good way to do it because you're just going with what's coming and what people are passionate about and focusing on, I guess, which goes into all the previous points you've said. So it makes sense. Yeah, that is, yeah, it is really cool. We, um if someone's really really making passionate content about a particular class then they're going to have you know much more understanding a much more bit of a, maybe a bit of a following but yeah they're going to really do justice to you know that new ranger card if they're all day every day just ranger stuff so it kind of makes yeah. sense um, you have people promote or share things that they are genuinely passionate about. That's what we aim for most of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is kind of going on to that a little bit. Uh, what do you feel is the best type of content for growing the game? Um, and mm. examples include gameplay, streams, unboxing, speculation videos, that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. That's a great question. Uh, sorry, growing the game or growing since ch um, their own channel. It was worded as growing the game. 
Um, the best type of content for, let's say, you know, growing the game in general. Hmm. Well, okay. I think this is the. I think this is the best answer for this one. Uh, growing the game content, probably things like your recent video, how you released how to start playing, Fab. More about that sort of ongoing and product understanding and acquiring journey. I think one of the best ways to grow the game of Flesh and Blood would be um, introductory or educational, mm-hmm. at a, yeah, almost an introduction level type of level. Early, I'm not going to find another word. I think yeah, introduction <laughs> type stuff would be best for growing the game. Um, but I think if someone wanted to grow their own channel very quickly and massively, which type of content you could probably choose you could probably go for a a lifestyle documentary type <laughs> thing like fabled academy that's yep. a niche you could go for a um exciting conversational interactive um box break focus like one of the new breakout um creators x flesh and blood x um whatever type of niche you choose that can be the best for growing your channel if you have the thumbnails the titles regular posting oh one thing i didn't say earlier is share 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 and i'm not speaking chinese language here i'm saying share it to youtube share it to tiktok share it to spotify everywhere you can mm-hmm. when you make a video share it everywhere and then hopefully yeah. other people are going to share um yeah, I'm blending lots of questions and ideas into the other ones, but it sounds very simple. If people don't know your contents out there, um, it might be hard for them to find. And I get a lot of awesome applications. And I, you know, I look through every single application that I receive through our channels. And sometimes there's about four subscribers on a channel. And everyone has to start somewhere. But... Yeah. Four is a very interesting number for me because it's almost as if it has not been pushed, promoted, and shared to the creator's friends in their current friend circle. I believe everyone has at least five friends, probably, if they're playing trading card games. Yeah. Get your friends to like it. Get your friends to share it. And a big one in video, the question was um, to help a person grow their own content channel. Call to action is a really big thing. Um, hey guys, leave a comment or what's your favorite type of hero? A call to action, get people involved and interacting with your channel in your niche with regular con- uh, regular uploads, thumbnails and, and impactful titles that will grow your channel. Basically yeah. being regular, just spam it. Just spam content all day, every day and you'll be at the top of the game. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'd like to add on one thing. Mm that um, if you make very sensationalized and clickbaity videos often, you will probably get more views, but I've found that um, you might not get a lot of subscribers and a lot of regular viewers that way. Um, you'll see some channels that have like, you know, 500 subs, but their videos get like 2,000 views, and that's because they're all like clickbait drama stuff, and no one wants to, yeah. stick, ar- no one wants to stick around. They just want to hear what the drama is, and then, then they bail. So uh, Exactly, yeah. And that's another really um, interesting part about, you know, the metrics and the way that channels could be um, 
measured is yeah like you're just saying you could have massive views on a video but no subs um and so we don't have anything fixed in place like that because yeah we understand that things exactly like this and of course on that note if someone's you know dropping the most exaggerated hyperbolized uh, clickbait titles the fans very quickly and very easily see through disingenuousness and whether or not a person is sincere or passionate about the content that they're making and they very very quickly drop off or not even subscribe at all like you said cow yeah 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 sincerity is a big key i think 100 percent. like that's uh i think a core part of content creation in general just do what you love i know it's a, it's like a really easy thing to say but like it's it's it sounds true, so though. simple but it's profound yeah yeah like people will latch on to your passion if you're like genuine about it and uh mm. yeah um Along with that, I guess, not, not really, but a little bit, this is a, a terrible segue, but what content, what content is missing from the sphere that you and LSS might want to see? It's a good one. And, um, there was a space which I was like, oh, I think someone could really grab this little niche. Again, we're going back to the niche of a specialized, explicit, niche. specific type of thing. <laughs> Recently, until Saint and Yoanji from Fabled, 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 Fabled Hunters. Yes. There's a lot of Fableds out there. there. Yeah. Um, until Saint and Yoanji recently did their, oh, what's the name? They did a like a, a weekly, no, a monthly it, roundup of current events, basically yeah. current events that are happening in the fab world. Until they did that, that was a space that I thought, yep, someone could do that. That was kind of like, you know, when I had my old seven days one. Recently, I was thinking, oh, maybe I could do a weekly recap. Um, very much like most Fridays on fabtcg.com, I try to do an article called What's the Latest? And I just consolidate all of the week's updates, articles, and information into one thing. I thought that would be a great thing. Someone just does a weekly recap thing. You can hear all the gossip out there. You hear all the updates, all the... So um, I can't answer your question with that one, but shout out to Saint and Yoanji for um, creating that really cool sort of recap, monthly recap thing. Other spaces that are missing, hmm, you know? I, with my job and with anything that I'm sort of trying to learn more about, I often look <coughs> at a, an example model. <clears throat> and so when I'm thinking about the content <clears throat> stuff for my role, I look at, you know, some some of the other big gaming companies out there and um, see what's happening in those space. A bit of inspiration, a bit of uh, knowledge and understanding. Nothing really jumps out to me in particular right now. Um, but a space that does exist, which could have a bit more of, um, ultimate pit fight stuff, commoner. Yeah. Commoner. If someone out there, here's a challenge, someone out there, if you're listening, make a commoner channel that's all commoner all the time and you'll get every single commoner fan on the planet. So there's one. Yeah. Um, that's what's that? That's a niche. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I love commoner and ultimate pit fight. And at the beginning of the year, I love it because it's broken. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and, uh, ultimate pit fight in particular, you can have like these really fun, you know, games with friends. And both of those formats were formats that I, I tweeted about the beginning of the year, I was like, hey, I think these are going to be really important because these are where a lot of, like, casual players could flock to. And I think um, the casual crowd is always bigger 
than the competitive crowd in card games, and I think that's where a lot of the player base will end up being in Flesh and Blood, and I figure that, hey, like this is an area that um, I personally want to focus on, and I agree with what you said, that I think it's an area that other people um, can focus on if they're really into it. Yeah, and here's another interesting point. I think it has been in my brain for a while, but you just woke it up now. Is, of course, a lot. There are many, many different types of flesh and blood fans. Um, you know, maybe someone only plays UPF ever, and they don't even have a gem account. Um, there's lots yeah. of different types of fans out there, and probably more casual fans consume more content. This is just a random guess from it. Yeah. So um, what I'm thinking about here is, um, if if possibly a vast majority of the flesh and blood content online is competitive type stuff, but only a small percentage of the flesh and blood player base is actually those super competitive players, how relevant is the content that I'm making if I'm selling it to only competitive players? I'm probably only getting a small part of the complete flesh and blood fan base when we're seeing events when we're seeing events and lots of content from top players and really competitive stuff our perception might be that there's lots and lots of competitive stuff out there however that probably is a is the smallest part of the player base so if a person's wanting to make um successful highly viewed content I believe there's probably a much larger audience out there for the casual um, players than the competitive stuff. So maybe, possibly, there's a bigger opportunity for growth in the casual flesh and blood space, not so much the cutthroat competitive. Hmm. That that came to mind just now. Yeah, um, you're touching a bit on the secret sauce sauce here. I think... uh, Uh, a good chunk of my content, I, I, when I, every time I make a video, I always think, who is the audience for this video? And a mm. lot of the times mm. for my videos are the more casual, the, the newer audience, that kind of stuff. Because I feel, at least for Flesh and Blood, there's a lot of great content out there for competitive folks already. You have like your Arsenal Pass, you have your DM Armada, who focus on the mm. metagame and like the really competitive stuff. But uh, like, like you said, I think there's a huge audience for more casual stuff. People who just want like to see like fun fun things or like um, really like low barrier of entry product like uh, decks like uh, um, commoner and that kind of stuff and uh, yeah that's that's something that I personally um, think about a lot and that I focus on a lot for for a lot of my videos um, mm. and uh, yeah that's a very 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 important like again if it was maybe top three things to keep in mind as a content creator well you just said Cal who is my audience? Yeah. yeah, and think deeply on that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I uh, personally, partially because it's my job, but I uh, I think a lot about that kind of stuff, and uh, I watch a lot of uh, interviews and stuff from other very very successful content creators. We're talking like million subscriber content creators about how they became um, big and like what they do, um, mm-hmm. and basically a lot of the stuff we've talked about. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, stuff to think about. I think. Yeah, that's a good one. Look at um, successful ones that maybe uh, us as a content creator, we like their style or we like something they do. Look at them, model, don't copy and steal, but model a little bit after them, and maybe you'll get on that trajectory to where those 
with the big dogs on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not directed at you, Cal. You are you are the big dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, We're the ones. Roman Reigns, shout out. I acknowledge you, my tribal chief. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that question. Not time for wrestling talk yet. We'll save that for later. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk about wrestling at the end for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So next question comes from Dead Summer, um, or Dead Summer Art, as some people know him. Uh, he says, mm. "How was the experience of starting out as a content creator and then being hired by the creators of the game you were making content for?" Um, and then he talked about. He asked about what the story behind it. We already talked about the little a little bit. Um, but if you'd like to elaborate a bit on it, uh, uh, here's the. Yeah. Well. Yeah, did some art here. Talking. This is another Kale. This Kale's from Australia. And um, <laughs> hello, Kale. Thank you so much for your awesome question and awesome words. Um, Kale has this incredible. Yeah, check out Kale's channel. Did Summer or Did Summer Art on YouTube. Basically, um, Did Summer is one of our mm, very dependable, passionate, deep diving lore, particularly Lord Sutcliffe. Yeah. Um, yeah. pals, and I love working and talking and communicating with Dead Summer because um, they really, really, <laughs> they have such, um, you know, they got the artists' struggle. They want to make the best possible content. The yeah. music must be perfect. The angle, the shot, the speed of the zoom in, the words, the voice. They want beyond the best for themselves and the content that they create um we love people with passion but just remember everyone out there once you put too much pressure on yourself then um things might stop being fun so one of the keys for one of the core tenets is of course keep having fun anyway yep. dead summer is um a master of storytelling and lord Sutcliffe and lots of awesome type of lore previews um just so everyone knows go and check out their work um, the really cool question, you know, we talked a little bit about me getting the job, but my experience um, starting out, I think, you know, my experience was I started playing Flesh and Blood, um, October 2019 or something, and I just, well, I, I have this insatiable hunger to create. This is how I am. So when I started playing the game, I just wanted to tell everyone. I wanted to show everyone. I don't want to make stupid jokes. I wanted to have fun um so me and me and my friend sam and a couple other friends we just started making stuff and as as everyone here in the chat knows um it's a good feeling when you get some nice likes clicks and positive comments so i started making more and more and more my experience starting as a content creator for flesh and blood stuff was just i just can't get enough of this game and the world and i want to interact with people so it was just a um a passion project that kept going and going and it's just fun i just like talking with people sharing exciting stuff so yeah my experience was very very fun and um the itch to create content is becoming more and more prevalent every day in me <laughs> yeah um i would also like to give a shout out to dead summer art um i think that some people know about this but not a lot of people know about this we're going to be doing a uh, tabletop RPG session set in the world of Wraith, and Dead Summer Art is yeah. going to be our DM. And by we, I mean wow. myself, uh, Bill, as Miss um, Chalice, and is that the whole crew? It I is, think, yeah. I think that's the whole crew. Wow. That yeah. is awesome. And that's another one of those 
what type of space needs a little bit more on? Is it a, is it a oh wow, D and D sort of thing? Yeah, so like even twists on flesh and blood stuff. Something flesh and blood centric, but it's new. Like this amazing initiative you've just described. Yeah, yeah that's again something brand new. I'm man, I'm fiending to watch it already. Yeah, we. Uh... What, what 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 better person to do it than DM Dead Summer as well? Uh, yeah. yeah so good yeah i yeah. i wanted to do this for a while and then i was just like you know what let's just do it and i made a tweet tagged some people that i think would be awesome for it and everyone agreed so uh when we have time we're gonna do it i don't no promises when this yeah. comes out but um yeah this is uh something oh, that, that i'm really looking forward to i think it's gonna be sweet we've we've most of us have made all of our characters already and oh, uh man I think that Summer has a plot idea already, so... Oh, I bet. I bet he does. Yeah, it'll be about 5,000 pages long. Oh, that'll be so good. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, i got to jump in with another... Uh, wait, we need, like, a little pop-up. I oh, know there's no video. Key point, Cal just said, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Don't wait yeah. for the perfect idea or the perfect interview guest or the perfect angle of the... We'll try and get a nice camera angle, but just do it. You know, um, that is the biggest barrier for a lot of different types of success for many people in many spaces is just not doing it. Just get the camera out, film something, get it up there. Just do it, and then then the momentum starts. The The hardest part with so many things is just start it. So just do it. Nice yeah. one, Cal. Yeah. I mean, this is another one of those really easy things that uh, it's easier said than done, but I agree. Like, yeah, just do it. And then also, like, stick with it like do it and mm, then then yeah. keep doing it because it's like mm. everyone who is successful on youtube stuck with it like and i'll use like myself and a good friend of mine um dm armada like he and i have been making content since like 2016 2015 and we did definitely mm. didn't start out like with gangbuster numbers we just kept doing it because we loved yeah making videos about card games and uh just stick with it. Like, it's gonna, you're not gonna immediately mm. get views. Maybe you will, but most people won't. And uh, the, mm. the folks who stick with it are the people who are successful. So. Yeah, and uh, people don't wanna hear it, but it's not easy. And it does no, not happen no. overnight. And a lot of the times, it is not fun. Um, the end result is fun, but sometimes the, the editing and the writing and the planning and the thumbnailing can be very, very exhausting. But if those, have the passion and the patience and the grit they stick at it yeah they're gonna see amazing things yeah they, i mean there are many I mean, many times where i was like you know come home from work and it's like i can do two things right i have a little bit of time i could either play that new video game that i bought or work on my channel and almost every single time i'm like you know i'm just gonna work on my channel and so you, yeah, you, you, you yeah. kind of have to make sacrifices like that yeah exactly yeah you do speaking of sacrifices i have to go to the bathroom for one minute no worries, no worries. sorry. So, we're back. We have another question, this time from a very well-known uh, figure in the Flesh and Blood community, Kale McCreeth. Uh, he asks, I'd like to know what he misses most about the competitive scene. Uh, he says, also, an, an addendum to that, working for LSS, he's no longer allowed to compete. Um, and then also you have some secret Benji sauce or something like that. Oh, damn right I do. But after the next five minutes, it won't be so secret anymore. Um, this is such a great question from one of my best friends of all time, Kale. So thank you so much for these awesome questions. Um, they're kind of all connected well. It's really good. 
Um, so first, the first part of this is I play a lot of um, more aggressive than the typical uh, aggressive deck type of decks. So I that's what I've been doing often since I've started playing Flesh and Blood. My man. In uh, Magic and other games, I often played the old draw go control decks where you just do nothing and try and deck them out, fatigue them. Um, so these days, yeah, I'm playing like just the most aggressive decks possible. And the first part of Carol's question says, what do I miss the most about the competitive scene? Um, wow, the people. And of course, playing at competitive levels, but the people. And uh, yeah. last weekend, we had Battle Hard in Auckland. And people came um, from all around the country to play in the Battle Harden. And a couple of people from Australia, including Fluke and Box, John Warden. So I got to oh, hang yeah. out with him over the weekend. That was cool. But during the um, Battle Hardened, yeah, I got to see people I hadn't seen for years. Um, I've got, I played in the skirmish, which was on the Sunday, but I didn't play in the Battle Hardened. And it's just the catching up in between the rounds. Oh, tell me about your bad beats and how you totally <laughs> high rolled and top deck this to blow them out and win the unwinnable thing. The things I miss the most are um, I do miss like those hardcore... Uh, testing sessions going into a tournament because I love to test every option including the weirdest possible options I like the idea of running heroes through the gauntlet um, practicing all of those sideboard games or those pre-board games that you might not do when you're testing at the kitchen table I love the just the, the deep diving into the testing aspects and just studying like a like an animal not that many animals study, but studying like a before a big event and then seeing the results of your hard work, which sometimes works, but sometimes doesn't. But the people, and last weekend at that Battle Harden, um, I was hanging out with people I hadn't seen for maybe five years, something like that. Um, had a really awesome time with the skirmish winner, Dr. Daniel Mackay um, from New Zealand. He ripped it up with Kano. And he, nice. he and I, um, Dan... Hayden Dale and I used to hang out in Christchurch and play a lot of magic. And um, man, it was nice to see Dan last weekend. And it took me back to the, when we were 10 years ago, us three hanging out and just being absolute buffoons at events, having fun, staying up till 2 a.m., being exhausted as hell, getting up at 6, playing the tournament with your eyes, feeling like they're about to fall out of your face. <laughs> I just miss everything, man. Like the competitive... Yeah competitive stuff i'm a cutthroat competitive player at heart and um yeah i guess you know it's the idea of being able to play in those top eight cuts and having those little mini rivalries and really cool stuff yeah um yeah i'd probably go on for too long if i talked about what's, all the things that i miss about the competitive scene what's the mm. cutoff point for you being allowed to compete in events as a lss uh, member I actually don't know. Um, I guess it's something like I'm not. I'm not even sure if it might be different for me, who knows like almost nothing about development stuff until previews, versus a game developer. You know, um, uh, I'm not sure what the sort of cutoff thing because those guys know you know the next few sets sort of thing. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, those cutoffs and those those sort of dates when you're allowed to play and things like that. But man, I miss so much about the competitive scene. Um, yeah, I've never won, like, a big event. I was always that dude that somehow managed to hang out with all the top guys but not actually be one myself. I don't know how that happened, but 
thank you to everyone over the years who's put up with me. But I just miss everything about the competitive scene. I always joke or I get like so excited, like, oh, my God, it's skirmish this weekend. Are you guys hyped? And they're like, yeah, but I just did ProQuest and Road to Nets. And, and, and I'm like, this is my biggest event of the year. So, you know, I just miss playing, you know, because I'll, I'll, I'll work at my job all day and then I'll come home and then I'll play Blitz at the kitchen table with um, maybe my flatmate CJ, who's the... Uh, one of the calling champions from the uprising world premiere season. Um, So I get to play with a calling champ at home. We finish work and play another four or five hours. My friend Sam, who helped me make the old seven days of flesh and blood channel, we'll play for five or six. I just can't get enough. So it would be cool if I could apply all of that, all those games I'm playing anyway to a uh, a tournament, pick up a nice extended out gold, cold crown of Providence. Yeah. A lot of things. And the Benji source, I absolutely love Benji because he changes the rules of the game um, for the opponent, changes what attacks mean, what blocking means, it really messes up a lot of people's strategies. And I just love drawing like five to ten cards off Spring Tide. <laughs> I was playing this I was playing this all in OTK style deck that if you well, if you take sixteen damage and go to one you will basically always win. It was this real OTK deck. You basically need one of any of the three pieces, whether it's a Spring Tidings, a Rapid Reflex Red, or a Razor Reflex. And then you can basically get through any armor, any blocks. But then Fi came out. And um, Fi's very aggressive in the face of a deck that's trying to OTK someone. So I kind of I changed up my strategy because I said I'm not moving off Benji, even though I might be for the next skirmish event. I said I'm not moving off Benji. I love the hero. I love the playstyle. I love the story and the meaning behind the character. And um, so I tried to make this winty defense reaction Benji Duco deck where I just chip away and inevitably win. But then I realized that it's just a strictly worse Bravo deck. So um, yeah, there's no there's no Benji secret sauce. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, well, OTK is probably the best version of it, I think. Vipox, what? I dude, yeah. Oh, Vipox is gross, gross and Benji. I, I love absolutely it. adore Vipox. Uh, yeah. I do want to say that when I was playing Benji, that was basically the version of the deck that I was playing. And mm. uh, the first time I brought it to a local event, I think I was able to draw. In two of the games, I got two Spring Tidings off. Um, and Oof. I think in the first one I was able to draw 13 cards and the other one I was able to draw like 15 or 16 what? Um, which felt pretty the disgusting it's <laughs> worth it eh? yeah and, and us and, rangers um, are sitting here drawing three from three of a kind and then we can't play stuff from our hands <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah yeah a little bit a little bit different but uh, yeah as soon as I saw Vipox I was like man I want to slap that in NG the only time that I've ever actually gotten to play it though is I have this spicy um, blitz prism deck uh Ooh. that has to do with uh transmogrify and Ooh. um what's that other one the basically the the buff cards that turn your next card into an illusionist attack so that they oh, have no. go again from uh from lunaris as fan- well as Ooh. then you can fractal replication them like phantasmify um, yeah phantasmify transmogrify and uh veiled intentions is yeah. the third one that i'm thinking of and uh, being able to give Vipox eight base power and then do it again with fractal replication <laughs> is pretty sick. <laughs> uh, I love it. I want to, yeah, I think maybe I've got to 
go down into the bat cave and come up with a just build the whole thing around Vipox. Is there a way we can get another five cards in their hand? That would be cool. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, right, eh? um, this rounds on me gives them an yeah. additional card. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, but then we attack them for zero. That's no, oh, you know, come in for zero, <laughs> hit them with a cheeky razor reflex and take 29. That sounds good. Yeah, to boom. Done. Oh, Easy <laughs> game. <laughs> I love it. Shout out to Chris Sires. Boom. Boom. It. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, the the tall Timmy asks, uh, I'd like to know more about his no block strategy. I assume he's talking about you, Chris, and not me, because that's also my strategy. Oh, that's definitely me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I've, I've been trying to make a bit of a name for myself, um, championing the no block strategy, particularly with um, Blossom of Spring, Stubby Hammers, <coughs> Stubby Hammers, five. <laughs> so. Uh, um, when I first saw Fi, well, when I first publicly saw Fi, I was like, oh, cool. An extremely aggressive ninja that wants to be aggressive and do aggressive things. And then I was shocked, taken back, and flabbergasted by the behavior of some people out there. <laughs> they, were, they were coming in with kadachis and they were playing all these sink belows, and I was losing it. I was like, what's going on with all these? <laughs> you know, because like, I play, I'm a big ninja player. I love playing these super aggressive decks. Oh, I was going to say a little bit before about the KO thing. Oh, and this talk to me, no blocks. Our question is, one big reason why I play hyper-aggressive decks these days is because I don't test um, 10 different decks into a gauntlet for a tournament. So now I'm just, okay, I'll just play aggro decks and not spend time testing. Um, and so I'm really passionate about... Um, one way that I see a lot of decks is... Or heroes. I don't see like 20 different heroes. I see a, a few different archetypes or strategies. And so if one hero is more aggressive than another, another hero, that other hero might not exist in my mind. So if one, one hero is doing something better than the other one, um, I'll just look at that one. So I saw fire come out and I was like, okay, this is very, very aggressive. Let's make the most of the way that we're being guided here. And that's very often a good sign of how to make the best version of a hero is follow the hints from the devs. Um, not always, but most of the time. And so I was like, cool, let's make this deck as aggressive as I possibly can. So I made a very, very aggressive deck, which was designed to, of course, deal more damage the less that you block. And then I saw people playing Fi, doing the old attack, attack for one or two things, and then defend with a few cards. And basically, I'm just like... Paint, what are you doing? <laughs> the, the less, uh, the more you block, the less you can attack. And if you want to be blocking a lot with a deck, I was just like, why are you playing fire? The yeah, aggro ninja. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah knowing more about the no block strategy is the more you block, the less you can attack. If you're not attacking heaps with a fire ninja deck, what are you doing? So, yeah. Shout out what to uh, Tall Timmy and friends with the amazing. Skirmish Season 5 Gauntlet um, Blitz series, which we've seen recently. Next video coming up Tuesday, New Zealand time, from Tall Timmy and Friends, and it nice. is going to be a brutal one. So um, thanks for that question, Timmy, and thanks for your awesome work on the series. Yeah. Blo oh. Blocking is for cowards and guardians, in my opinion. <laughs> Basically. Are yeah. they the same thing? Who knows? Yeah. Oh, know. shots fired. <laughs> you heard it yeah, here first. I like <laughs> guardians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
right. Uh, this one is. Uh, it comes from um, Liert or Lighert. Uh, they ask. Uh, these come in a tandem of. What do you think you and LSS do especially well regarding community? And then on top of that, what hints by the community about avenues that could be improved would you say were especially helpful to you? That question's a little confusingly worded, but um, uh, what I do you got think? it. That's a good one. Yeah. Let's do the second question first. Yeah. Um, community hints um, that could be improved, which were helpful. Um, now, not to, I don't want this to come out the wrong way. We at LSS know that there are many, many things that we want to do and produce and engage in. Um, there's so many things that we want to do and are planning to do, which just aren't uh, happening yet. So there are things like, oh, yeah, we know that we should be giving a little bit more time for big events, letting people know so they can plan mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's like on our radar, working as hard and fast as we can to sort of improve that stuff. There's a lot of details that go into events and um, getting all the information out there. So that's something that we know that we can improve. So um, with all the kindness in the world, if people tell us that, of course, that's not especially helpful because we are already aware of that. So I'm thinking about this question, what are things that we've been sort of alerted to by the uh, by the community which are very very helpful um for me you know my head is very much in the content sort of side of things so i'll look at that space for this question um i think the the, the biggest thing that jumps out is people were wanting some clarification some information about content stuff and that's very helpful and it's very helpful that you have asked me to join you for a few tips and tricks and conversations today. I think the biggest the biggest thing community has brought up, which has been helpful, is hey, we need a little bit more info and clarification on this content stuff. So hopefully today's chat helps a little bit. Yeah. And I think the first part of that question, what do we do especially well with community? I would hope to think that we do engagement through conversations, um, through listening to the fans. I really believe that we well, I hope that we listen to the fans and that we act on the good and necessary and positive changes requested from the community. Things like taking accountability for things that we have done which didn't originally go to plan as much as we would have liked. Things like cards that might have been banned before time or, um, you know, there were some challenges with the History Pack oh, like yeah. label translations. We were very, very grateful and fortunate to have some superstars of the community um, help us with things that we needed to improve on with that. Um, we had, we worked with um, some of the black label, you know, we worked with um, Ark slash Petro Giletti, oh, the yeah. Italian national champion. He helped us immensely with communications to the Italian community. And that's the same with Alex from Fabled Academy for Germany, Pedro Canale, shout out to Loire de Fidia. Um, they helped us a lot with the French. And of course, um, we had one of our amazing employees who lives in Spain um, help us a lot with the Spanish. And we had um, the first ever Pro Tour champion, um, Pablo Pintor, yeah. help us with a lot of um, bits and pieces, communications stuff. That's more about like 
what you guys um, do especially well rather than us. But we're very fortunate for hopefully the great relationships that we've fostered with um, key members of the community and the community itself that people want to interact and collaborate with us to help us improve on things. So I think um, hopefully communication is something that we do quite well with the fans. And something we always, you know, one of our core tenets is continuous improvement. So it's something that we're always wanting to do better at. But I, I'm hoping to say communication, listening and having a dialogue with the fans rather than this is how it is. Get good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I would I would definitely agree just as somebody who is part of the community. Like obviously there will be, you know, issues with communication. Uh, at any scale, really, but especially considering the I incredible growth that Flesh and Blood has seen over the past, you know, two years. Um, keeping up with a community of this size is always going to be really difficult, but I think that LSS has done a really, really excellent job um, considering, as I said, the circumstances. Um, making sure that they're listening to the community and not, you know, sweeping things under the rug. Um, I have some amount of preconceived notions when it comes to large companies, uh, especially for, you know, large hobbies in the gaming space mm -hmm. that I've I've seen them fumble the ball pretty hard. Um, but LSS, every time I see something like come out from either a community standpoint or just from a game design standpoint, it's always very well um, both intentioned and notated so that you can see as a, a consumer of the game where these decisions actually came from and what the reasoning behind it was, which the, the level of transparency is pretty unprecedented. Um, so, yeah, it's like there will always be issues. And I think that uh, focusing on the issues is never going to be a really, really solid way of getting them fixed. But also ignoring them is is even worse. So the fact that you guys have a pulse on the a finger on the pulse of the community is uh, a very excellent and very uh, satisfying thing to hear. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that transparency word it really, really stands out because we know that there are many, many, many passionate and curious eyes on every single part of what we do. So, uh, you know, we know that, yeah, we can't run and hide or put something under the rug because the truth always comes out um, mm -hmm. for everything. So, yeah, we, we aim to be transparent, genuine, and uh, take accountability and responsibility for things and just try and get better and improve every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we have four more questions. Um, so let's... There, there's some of them that we've already touched on a little bit, so let's rapid-fire these, uh, and then we can get on to the, uh, the arsenal step here. Um, yeah. Next one comes from Tommy Fresh, and we've touched upon this one a little bit. Uh, he asks... What are your thoughts on audio content? Is this content? Tommy Fresh, Fresh and Buds? Yes. Fresh and Buds yeah. podcast, yeah. is it? Oh, hello, yeah. Tommy. Thank you. Yeah. He's a pretty nice dude. I had dinner with him a couple times, I think, in uh, throughout uh, the competitive season uh, at various callings and, and whatnot. Uh, nice guy. Awesome. Um, but what are your thoughts on audio content in this video content-dominated space? Yeah, great question. And, yeah, as I say, something we chatted about a little earlier, the audio content... Um, oh, here's a nice, here's something I should say. Um, there is no one medium or form of content that has more weight or value than others for the record. So, you know, if someone's out there doing audio only podcasts and that's their only content, 
versus someone that is doing um, videos on YouTube, um, one is not worth more or more valuable than the other from our perspective. Um, everyone is just, yeah, equal opportunity for whatever opportunities come. And like we said earlier, that audio content, so useful. And that's another key word for today. What is this, some type of lecture? Useful <laughs> stuff because um, you can you can listen to audio and you can go about your day and that can be part of your day, part of your routine, part of the things that you love. And audio is very, very valuable, super important. Um, yeah, and it will be more important to one person than it is to another. And we want everybody to have something that is important to them. So, yeah. Tommy, very, very important. Mm. Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, next mm. question comes from Pat Smash Good. Uh, Pat asks, or they say, LSS has done a great job utilizing content creators throughout the space in a variety of roles as Fab has grown. What are your plans to grow this utilization into the next sets and into 2023? And I think this is one that we already kind of touched a little bit on when we talked about the yeah. uh, Dynasty spoiler season, but um, yeah. Yeah, well, um, of course, we've got lots of plans and ideas for the future, some more concrete than others. Um, lots of really cool things. Plans to grow this utilization with content creators. Well, um, You know, so we've we've done and we will continue to do the content creator appreciation kits. And of course we've had things like was it Herald of Rebirth and what was the one before that? Herald of Protection. Uh Herald of Protection and then Herald of Rebirth, yeah. Yeah, so those extended art and those um, promos were the only way to get those was um, through a content creator in one way or another. With the content creator appreciation kits, those are kind of um yeah, literally that. Just a wee, oh, thank you for creating content that you've just simply wanting to create out of um, your own passions with no uh, desire for a particular reward. And then, oh, hey, we'll give you this thing, help you grow your channel. So that's something um, where we, yeah, we gave out the promos. We said, hopefully this can grow your channel. And we've given that to sort of smaller creators, up and coming ones, ones that we can see have the passion, the momentum, the consistency and we want to give them hopefully some type of bit of a leg up um we've got a little bit of a twist on the next version of the content creator appreciation kit Ooh. so that is something that we will be doing in 2023 um and let's just say content creators will have something very very special that no other type of fab community member will have access to in 2023 there's something <laughs> oh, very very exciting now i gotta know so, um, <laughs> oh wow we'll, we'll see what happens um we'll see what happens in 2023 we'll see it we'll we'll run we'll run your numbers cal and see if you qualify okay. but um okay. some very very exciting plans to continue the collaborations with yeah. content creators because i haven't said so already thank you so much to every single content creator out there if you've got hundred thousand subs or ten um thank you so much because you guys are spreading the good word of flesh and blood around the world um getting new eyes and new fans so thank you so much for that everybody and you know we want to say thanks for that we, we we're not saying we've got these awesome cards we want you to have a competition between yourselves to try and get this no but um 
thank you so much everyone for doing that and um, we're going to continue the collaborations and the community driven content stuff and yeah just make it bigger and better more interactive more collaborative and uh, hopefully we just see the content creators grow the content creation space grow and ultimately flesh and blood will keep growing if we're lucky oh yeah oh i think it will i think it will for sure hey man I, i've got my fingers crossed looking forward to, to seeing what you guys have in store regardless of uh whether my numbers are good or not <laughs> oh, i reckon your, your numbers are pretty good yeah they're they're fine um <laughs> All right. The next one. Uh, this is another question that we've uh, talked upon or talked about a little bit already. Uh, this comes from uh, Capolo or Capolo. Um, cool. wh what should content creators do in uh, in order to get noticed by LSS besides applying as a content creator on the Fab profile page? Uh, you should track down my Instagram and spam me constantly. Uh, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do um, that. <laughs> I would say. Okay, so yeah, Capolo sort of talks about the. Um, applying to be a content creator on the fab profile page so if people don't know um, on your when you log into fabtcg.com if you go fabtcg.com website and then you log yourself in with your gym number on the top right hand of the side it says um, content create register or apply or something for the content creator something like that the wording kind of relevant and important but kind of not anyway there's a button you can press um, just so everybody knows, once you click and submit your information on that button, I will read it and I will read every single application one by one in a holistic case-by-case -case way so that, um, yeah, if some random uh, new content creator who's just absolutely making the most crazy, mind-blowing content, um, you know, I'll read that stuff. And when people apply through that, um, it does not mean that once you've applied, you are in our system and you will get a preview card. Um, it does not mean that you're in the system and that means you will receive a, a kit. All that that button does is um, put you in our database, put you in our pool so that I can find your email, your gem number, your description about your channel. And when those time comes for the collaborations or oh, I've got 20 uh, content creator appreciation kits. I'm going to find the 20 most relevant. So just so everyone knows, that button on the page will put you in the pool, put your information and your data in the pool so I can read through it and work with the team to assign uh, possible collaborations at one day. So just so everyone knows, um, yeah, as we've said a few times, there's no exact rule, no exact rubric. Uh, myself... Uh, James and a few others will go through a lot of these sort of applications and some of the larger or more impactful panels. And um, from there, that's how the collaborations and things like that will be done. But the question, again, was, apart from this application, what can I do to get noticed? Just make mind-blowing content. Get the thumbnails. Because I'm on YouTube and Facebook all day um, in between other stuff, just looking around that pops up and I think that a real big indication of successful content is when people are sharing your stuff without you asking like the other day one two juice from Malaysia with oh, their yeah. was it 11 types of players that shit was hilarious and like even like their camera angles and their music and their visuals and their pop-up they had all of that stuff but even if they didn't the content was funny enough that people were just sharing it around 
So sometimes you can have this like little micro black spawn event where you've just created this unique, incredible video. Um, so maybe I just could say incredible quality, make some high quality stuff. Um, but there's probably not too too much to sort of quote unquote get noticed outside of that thing. You could email through, um, but of course every application sends me an automatic email and, a, and something like that. So if you click that button, I will get it every single time. Outside of that, I would just keep sharing your high quality, regular, consistent content as often and as frequently as you can, really. Yeah. A bit uh, of a weak answer, sorry. I uh, like to give a, another shout out to One Two Juice. I think they're one of the most underrated flesh and blood channels out there. They do oh, like, yeah. awesome. Well, like, and shout out to, I'm so sorry I forgot their name right now, but um, one of the one of the gentlemen of the One Two Juice team just won their first Road to Nash. Oh, wait. Skirmish? Must be a skirmish. Yes. So congratulations to um, one of the two one of the two gentlemen from One Two Juice for for winning. So you can probably okay. see that little anecdote on Facebook somewhere. But yeah, 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 good work. Sorry, Cal. Where were we? No, I just wanted to say they're they're great. They do a lot of like content that you were actually talking about. They do a lot of different content, more niche content. Mm. They're more on like this uh, sketch comedy side of things, which is very like untapped in the flesh and blood community. Um, Hard to do, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you can do it like Tall Timmy or One Two Juice, you're gonna make a lot of fans very quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they've only got like, uh, don't quote me, but like less than like two thousand subs, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, I think they're one of the more underrated channels out there. So if you don't know who they are, you should definitely check them out if you're watching or listening. Challenge: to Get One Two Juice to one thousand subs before Friday, team. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go check to see how, how however many they are. If they are, are already above 1K, get them to the next K, right? So if they're at, like, yeah. 1.2, get them to 2K. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. And then final question before we move on to the Arsenal step and just talk about a lot of random stuff. We have mm. uh, Pascal asks, do you think there are too many fab creators on social media? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, so, of course... The, the real answer is no. You can never have too many of something if it's good. But however, as we've spoken a couple of times, um, if you're putting up a box break video and it says uprising box break, there's probably a lot of that out there already. So be different, stand out. Um, there's no such thing as too many flesh and blood creators. You know, As we know, um, in 2026, every player will have their own channel. And yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. Shout out, Yazoo. Um, and so there's no such thing as too many. But I would encourage people. It's cool to, like, I, I think there's, like, this little tiny split here. I see um, content where it's something that has been originally created and produced. And then there's also, like, mini sharing or mini vlogging very subtle and maybe it's just a difference that I see but I'll see someone like oh hey um, I'm opening three packs and da 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 I'm like okay it's almost like they're sort of sharing their day or almost like a little vlog and then there could be there could be someone that's really making a good 
Mm, I'm running out of words here, but basically there's not too many. Let's go for quality over quantity. So if you do want to, yeah, some people will be like, oh, cool, I've got a pack. I'm going to film this and share it. That's awesome. I'd see that as, oh, yep, a fan's sharing some stuff. But then there could be someone who's got the thumbnails, they've got the consistent times, and they're sharing their box openings. I think that's much more intentional. I would see that person as a creator. Some people I might, from my personal perspective, not professionally, but personally, I might be like, okay, that person's just sharing a pack that they opened. I don't personally consider that originally intentionally thought out content creation. So there are little things there. No, there's not too many creators, um, but there could be more. Let's say there's like 10,000 creators out there currently. That's wishful <laughs> thinking. Let's say there's 10,000 of them. And maybe 9,000 of those are just taking a, a video and just putting it up there. Wouldn't it be great if 5,000 of those people had the thumbnails and the regular times? Oh, and here's another one, team. Team, you want to cut your longer videos into chapters. And then the fans will go wild. They can just skip all the shit go straight to the good stuff chapters are really good team so try that everyone yeah but no there's not too many creators but it would be it would be cool if there were more thumbnails and more regular times and more sharing about their episodes coming up mm, great question thanks pasco yeah um awesome so before we get to the arsenal step bill as are there any other things you want to ask uh chris Uh, uh, just, yeah, sorry, go, go on in. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I was just going to say uh, I didn't really have all that much, but uh, something that I do want to throw out there just uh, to get the get the people intrigued, uh, mm. something that we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, and I'll, I'll ask again, but Chris, is there what, a possibility? What's your preview can... card? It's coming again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to tell me, then that's, like, cool, but no. Well, um, I want to go, but <laughs> Um, but no, is there like a possibility that. that we could potentially see you as a guest on the Goliath Gauntlet over on the Spike Feeders channel? Because that would be well, I do really love a good um, erase face Goliath Gauntlet turn one blitz combo. Oof. So oh. let's do it. Sign me up. I would be uh, oh, yeah. honored and privileged to come and hang out on the GHD podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be exciting. Um, if y'all don't watch already, though, you should be. Uh, Spike Feeders Fab, they make really good uh, quality gameplay videos for Flesh and Blood. Um, so. Man, Spike Feeders have some of the highest production quality out there. Like, a lot of people have seen the mind-blowing ready-to-roll preview card from Everfest with the... Oh, man, I'm about to drop a lot of bad language there. I'm just so excited. But, man, <laughs> there was 8-bit animation, music, scripts, storylines. Oh, it was just beautiful. And um, everyone, Spike Feeders are much more than beautiful preview card videos. So, yeah, get involved with Spike Feeders. they got lots of different games, lots of different formats. It's like the Spike Feeders channel is like a network, a TV network station with many smaller TV shows inside of it. And... That type of content gets me really excited. Not that I'm biased, but I really do get excited about um, channels or shows that are presented like a show. I think there's really something powerful in, um, you know, like, why do we watch TV or why do we watch Stranger Things season 27 Lost in the Metaverse? Or why do we watch these yeah. things? Because we want to sort of sit down, relax, and be entertained. So I see the shows where there's 
you know like you guys have some multiplayer stuff and then you have a gameplay thing and then you have a skip thing and there's that's a whole tv network and i think that is uh that's some good stuff that's some good content yeah well, i really I appreciate the the kind words that's, that's awesome <laughs> oh, you guys really yeah put a lot of thought time and effort into it and yeah i think it's um one of the one of the best examples of some top tier content out there so thank you spike feeders yeah agreed i agree mm. um all right so if there's no more questions let us move on to the arsenal step this is a part of the podcast where we talk about something that we're passionate about or really into uh, outside of the world of flesh and blood and chris as the guest we would like to pass this over to you you could free to talk about whatever you want man Oh, wow. I want to talk with, with y'all, y'all, about y'all. something that we can all talk about. So I've got a couple of ideas. Like, one, you know, pro wrestling, but how how deep down the rabbit hole can you go? <laughs> pro wrestling is one topic. Another one is um, Korea and or K-pop, one of my okay. biggest and most oh. obsessive passions since the dawn of time. And what's the third one? Third one can be fine art, particularly um, contemporary abstract expressionism. So, balls in your court, boys. All right. Uh, I know the most (laughs) out of these three topics, I know the most about wrestling. Though, uh, for my degree, I did take some fine art classes, though I I don't, I I know more classics than uh, contemporary, to be honest. More more David, (laughs) less uh, whoever's contemporary, less Banksy. More David, less Banksy. Okay, I'm into it. I like it. I like it. You loving that, loving it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as do you have any preferences there? Um, I played a lot of wrestling games when I was when I was when I was little. So probably probably wrestling. I know a lot of the a lot of the old school characters and what have you. So maybe yeah. yeah it's I, your I, lucky I day, gents, because we have now arrived to the part of the show. Which was formerly known as the Arsenal, Arsenal Step, was it? Arsenal, Arsenal yeah. Pass, something like that. Arsenal, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Formerly known as, but now welcome back to Seven Days of Flesh and Blood with Chris Bewley, with Red Zone Rogue, <laughs> with the Spike Feeders, with the Azalea Cult. Now the first question of these three, one of each for all you fine, fine gentlemen, looking like a delicious marshmallow, yummy, yummy, yummy today is, as hello, <laughs> who is your favourite current professional wrestler? You got five seconds. My my current. I'm sorry, Az, I'm going to have to cut you off there. Uh, we're moving over to Cal now. Cal, a question about fine art. What are your top three Banksy current works in the Metro London area? You've got seven oh, seconds God. on this one, my friend. Uh, did he shred that piece of artwork in London? Because that would be the number one. The one where they bid on it and then he immediately shredded it. That would be that. That'd be the number one. Um, I'm very sorry. Our time has run out on that one. We're now moving over to the Spike Feeders to talk about the current topic of who is your favorite member of the K-pop group Twice? Oh, God, I should know this. Uh, Madison is so obsessed with Twice. No. Oh, Oh, now we could go down the the Japanese line of Mina, Momo, and Sana. You could be looking at the other sort of foreign line of Tsuyu. Or you, you could even just go mono-Korean. You know, there's a few good choices in there. Depends if you're going down more of the vocal or the dance. Oh, sorry, Chris, I'm going to have to cut you off there. Um, back to you, Cal. <laughs> what? Hey, what's up? 
What's up, man? How are you doing? What's going on? I'm pretty good. What are you up to later on? Do you have a couple of games of Blitz or a bit of UPF? What are you? Oh, dude. Oh, are we still recording? Oh, okay. Sorry, Cal. Yeah, we were. <laughs> Uh, I, I do have an Icelander Blitz deck and two UPF decks I could play, so I'd be down with that. Well, I'm already late for work, so I better not uh, queue, queue out too much more for the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, favorite pro wrestler? Uh, Asuka. Go. Ooh, great choice. She's good. Uh, if you want to do old school, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Ooh, another fine choice. The best there is, Ma the best there Man was. Randy the best. Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Undertaker. The cream Undertaker. of the crop. <laughs> Undertaker was good. We used to joke. Yeah, Chokeslam. Chokeslam's a card. It's a flesh and blood card. It, it is. Yeah, there's a lot of wrestling cards, eh? Yeah. I, hey. We used to joke. There was, there was one particular image of, like, uh, the, the Undertaker, and he was holding his hand up kind of in front of, in front of his face, and we'd always joke that he had his lines written on his hand, and he was memorizing them before oh. he'd go on. <laughs> uh, you know, when recently, well, not recently, probably five years ago, when The Rock and John Cena were doing their WrestleMania feuds, um, The Rock wrote uh, some of his notes on his hand, and then John Cena impromptu just started ripping into him live on the mic, saying, oh, why have you got your notes on your hand? That was a pretty cool one. But I thought you guys <laughs> were going to make a wee reference about one of the awesome um, pieces of coverage over the last while, where it was at the Pro Tour. I think it was a bunch of national champions. And old mate, um, old mate Tariq put his hand over old mate Hayden's face, and I thought you're going to go down that sort of reference line. <laughs> it made for a few good Twitter posts, I remember. Someone made some like sleeves out of it too. It was a pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the the yeah. edit where all of the faces were uh, Hayden's face was also pretty good. <laughs> the yeah. face of flesh and blood. There you go. Yeah, yeah, all the faces, <laughs> not just the yeah, face. all the faces. Yeah, it's like a Marvel villain. He's just transposed his face onto everyone or something. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, and the other um, thing that I'm very passionate about, which I think we're probably out of time on, but I am wearing a T-shirt of the Marvel comics or Marvel everything. Nice. Ooh, yeah. Right, yeah, so one last question then for Chris before we go, then since you're a big fan of Marvel, I'm going to make it really hard on you. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Unfortunately not. Thor, Love and Thunder by the incredible New Zealand director and writer, Taika. Oh, I haven't seen it. Um, my favorite Marvel movie probably... Probably Endgame. That's such a vanilla answer, but I have my reasons. Um, mm. It's either Endgame or Deadpool 1. Okay. Mm. I do like Deadpool one. That one was uh, yeah. Um, I'm a big Deadpool simp. I would personally Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok's my favorite. I think. Yeah, man. Ooh, yeah. The visuals, the story. You know, I really like. I I have a lot of issues with movie. I'm a real picky um, critic, film critic sometimes. But um, I have a real issue when a film does not have a really fixed, clear antagonist, like a bad guy. Because um, mm. I feel like it leaves the viewer or me particularly like just a bit lost. Like, who is the bad guy? What is the goal? You know. I um, and I found like Love and Thunder didn't have that much of a compelling bad guy, but Ragnarok really did. So, yeah. And the music, man, like the opening sequence with uh, immigrant song, like holy crap, man, that was mm, that was yeah. amazing. Love it. Yeah, yeah, that's and a good. One. Of course, um, having like really defined storylines and stuff like that. Uh, is really important for things other than movies, you know, like it's important mm. for 
uh, movies and for video games and even like card games. Like, for example, uh, obviously, the, the main bad guy of, of the Dynasty set, who we all know is um, sorry. What was his name, Chris? I, I can't remember uh, what you had mentioned before. <laughs> Brilliant. Sometimes there's shades of grey. Not that many, just a few. A couple of shades of grey and how is the good guy? Time will tell. Time will tell. That's not a card name. Time will tell. I could I could see time will tell being a card name at some point. Could make a good name, actually. Yeah, yeah. it could be. I don't know. I don't know. That oh, are we getting time lock? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> hey, hey, hey Hammer is was like a time warp, I think. I was gonna say we already got Ancestral Recall, except it's like uh, not very good. Well, it's good. Except but, for Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got some good stuff coming. Mm. Oh, dude, I always. Can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, oh, thank you. By the way, so much, Chris, for being on here. Thank you for your time and thank you for your insight into all of these uh, questions. It, it's uh, it's been a blast, man. Oh man, yeah, honestly, so like, much. thank you all. Um, you know, I've been a fan of the Spike Feeders from the first time that we sort of chatted, um, and even before that, I was, you know, I saw the videos sort of popping up from other games and things. I thought this is really cool stuff, and then we we had a few conversations and. Um, yeah, spike feeders, spike feeders, you guys, and the the diversity and the detail in your work blows me away. As in Cult of Azalea, I love your, you know, the persistence, the perseverance. You guys didn't get any preview cards, and you haven't made any um, video series with us, but you you didn't stop making content. You kept going, you kept going bigger and harder, and more guests, and more of this, and more of that. And um, that is very, very into... admirable. I think it goes into the niche again. Like the niche is a thing. Like it took me. Mm. I, I've been I've been making content for about a year now, but it's only literally recently where I've found what I want to speak about. It, you know, as mm. a niche, as a as a passion, and I love Azalea and stuff, as you know. Yeah. So yeah, you're gonna love your preview card, my friend. So um, oh, thank yeah. you so much for all of the hard work Cheers, and passion man. in the cult of Azalea. And of course, Cal, I uh, when you asked me, I started started fan fanboying pretty hard because um, <laughs> I am I'm not only like you know I see a couple of Red Zone Rogues I see your channel when I just watch it as a fan and as a viewer which I do whether it would be my job or not and then when we're speaking or communicating through the emails or chats or anything just one of the just most genuine awesome fun genuine relationship connections um you're one of the best and your channels and the way that you work with people and the, the way that you foster communities and inspire people is nothing short of inspiring. So thank you all for having me you, and um, for giving giving us a really cool platform to be able to share, yeah, this awesome content creation topic with people. So it's yeah. been, a, it's a, I'm a little bit of, um, I'm a little bit starstruck now. So thank you so much, everybody, for having me on. <laughs> yeah, of you course. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely honored to have you as our first guest on here. Um, as we wrap it up, um, where can everyone find everyone? Let's start with uh, Chris. Where can everyone find you? You can find me at fabtcg.com. Yeah. I don't and really, I don't have a Twitter. West. I don't have a Twitter. Yeah, that's a pretty mean, uh, mean website. Eh? 
I don't have a Twitter. If you feel like watching some of my old stuff on YouTube for a laugh, you could go to Seven Days of Flesh and Blood. That's the Roman numeral seven, or V-I-I. Or if you want to go back nine years, <laughs> shit, you could go and check out, what's that? Desperate Ravings with Chris Bewley. I'm, you, I'm warning you about that one. Yeah. I, but, hey, I, um, watched, uh, I watched you get 500 wins with your Warlock. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, a bit of Hearthstone in there, too. <laughs> yeah. Your set came out, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, you can find, if, hit me up on Facebook if you want, team. Chris Bewley, you'll find the spelling. Bewley, rhymes with spew, spewley, easy to remember. It'll be, but, in, um, the, it'll be in the title of the video. Yeah, part. so, yeah, find me on Facebook if you want to say hi. You won't get a preview card out of it, but you will get a new friend, so there you go. <laughs> Arguably better. Not arguably, way better. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely better. Yeah. How about... Wow. Uh, you should see Az's preview card. It's pretty good, though. I'm not going to lie. Speak no. It's not better than his <laughs> card. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> of, <laughs> speaking of Az, uh, Az, where can everyone Hello. find you? Yes, so, uh, so I'm Az from Go Again Gaming. And yes, as we've aforementioned already, uh, the Azalea Colt co-founder, alongside with Jim with Fab TCG Cards. He's, he's, in, the, he's in it for the ride as well. Um, but uh, yeah, over on Go Again Gaming on YouTube and uh, Twitter, Go Again Gaming AZ. Spend a lot of time on there as well recently, posting all manner of different images and what have you. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well. Shout that out, Go Again Gaming UK as well. So please go and click those things if you would. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Bill? Where can everyone find you and your Spike Feedery things? <laughs> Spike feederiness. Yeah. Uh, I am Bill from the Spike Feeders. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BillTSF. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube uh, at uh, the at Spike Feeders Fab. Uh, we also do have a main channel uh, that's more Magic the Gathering related. But if you're interested in Magic the Gathering as well, then you can check us out at the Spike Feeders. Um, but if you want to see live gameplay of Flesh and Blood, we have Blitz and CC. Uh, and we're potentially going to be having some uh, additional guests on the uh, on the show, as we were kind of discussing earlier. But uh, yeah, if you like watching gameplay and we have some uh, a few videos of us discussing current at the time events, they're not so current events anymore, but <laughs> we like to have uh, a decent variety of content on our channel. So feel free to check us out. Yeah, excellent. And uh, I am Kel, also known as Red Zone Rogue, and you can find me everywhere at Red Zone Rogue. YouTube.com slash Red Zone Rogue, Twitter.com slash Red Zone Rogue, Instagram and Facebook, I don't use as much, but uh, you can find me there too. Um, and thank you all for watching, and thanks to you all for hanging out with us. Um, yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great time. We'll see you all next Absolutely, time. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.